Wait, are you gaming on a Chromebook? Yeah, it's got a high-res 120 hertz display, plus this killer RGB keyboard. And I can access thousands of games anytime, anywhere. Stop playing. What? Get out of here. Huh? Yeah, I want you to stop playing and get out of here so I can game on that Chromebook. Got it. Discover the ultimate cloud gaming machine, a new kind of Chromebook. NFL Sunday Ticket is now on YouTube and YouTube TV, which means that you can stay close to your team even if you don't live in their town. Like, maybe you're a Raven who married a Seahawk who got a job in the land of the Falcons. With NFL Sunday Ticket, you can watch your team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games no matter where you live because you shouldn't have to change teams even if you change towns. NFL Sunday Ticket, now on YouTube and YouTube TV. Go to youtube.com slash presale to get $50 off. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends 919. No refund. Subscription auto renews. The grade cricketer is a Twitter stream. It's about playing cricket at the grade level. It's a tough, mean, dirty, dirty business being a grade cricketer. A lot of cricketers, you know, that's all they know. They've mm. done it since they're 10 and they have a deep-seated fear of change. But the grade cricket is all about being the most alpha version of yourself as possible at all costs and at all times. I don't bat or bowl. I just feel the gully, count the number of dot balls in a row, sledge 15 yards, make me feel better about myself. Thanks, Thanks champ. champ. Oh, no, you called me champ. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Grey Cricketer Podcast on today's show. Australia wins the first test at the Gabba thanks to all the usual stuff happening. We'll talk no balls, second innings hundreds and the safety of Brisbane. New Zealand hit 600 against England thanks to two of the more unlikely Centurions, not to mention Colin de Gronholm 60. And India might actually be the best they've ever been after their fourth consecutive innings victory, this time in their first ever day-night test at Eden Gardens. Australian musician, icon, legend, and former frontman of Powderfinger, Bernard Fanning, is probably only the second most famous person on the show this week, as Ro Belinda, Ro Belinda too, joins to discuss copyright laws and clickbait headlines, and of course, hashtag RCGC involving Dreams, Gen X, and the Triple C. Of course, none of this possible without our very good friends, Budgie Smuggler, who make everything happen here for a good reason. So support them the way they support us, Budgie Smuggler. My name is Ian Higgins and I'm joined by Dave Edwards to my left and Sam Perry to my right. And boys, it's Christmas in less than a month. It's hot. Australia wins at the Gabba and our number three hit 185. Yep. Normal. Well, safe. safe. (laughs) (laughs) We've got so many messages this week saying, fuck, I feel safe now. (laughs) I'm rocking back and forward on my chair with my arms crossed. Mm. Well, it's been a long time. Like it's been a good couple of years. Obviously, post sandpaper, etc. We're back at the Gabba. Mm-hmm. Worn the bull, the yeah, Gabbatoire. The bull, the bull is back. Gabbatoire. Yeah, the Gabbatoire with Gabbatoire. its earthy coloured seats that mm. nobody is sitting in, mm. etc. The extra bounce and carry. Warner got the right runs. Burns got the right runs. Mm. Labuschagne got the right runs. Smith had the right failure. Yeah, the failure yeah. we needed to have, like the recession we needed to have. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Wade had you know, an upbeat middle order innings. Mm-hmm. And the what, bowlers, right, what he's there for. That's the, what he's there for. The bowlers took wickets in fading light. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, just the, the shadows lengthening over the pitch. Balls were being nicked off to slip. And I just mm-hmm. felt safe. Mm-hmm. I'm kind of thinking... Not from bushfires. It was 40 degrees in Melbourne and stuff like that. it was hot. Yeah, a bit and hazy. Smoky. Yeah, I mean, not yeah. literally safe, just psychologically safe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. that's yeah. okay. Edo's um, first point I wanted to ask is... Um, is what's the story of this match. Mm. And I'm kind of wondering if there is no story to this match nor summer. It's just numbers, stats filling until the next thing. 
Is that well, right? I think the story is the safety that okay, we're all feeling. That's so that's a story we, we can talk about it at yep. length and, and with conviction. Um, <laughs> of course, Manus. I think we need to really kind of expand on Manus. Sure. And you, you're right in the sense that it's been a long time since the number three mm-hmm. has gone out and hit 100 mm. at home in the first test of the summer. Or at least I think it has. I've Ponting, got I revisionist history. can't remember shit. Mm. Um, but, <laughs> I mean, we must feel pretty safe about just him alone, not just the summer as it stands, mm. but we've got a three who can bat. Yeah. And never... he signs pizza shapes or some shit after the game. You see that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I, He's endearing. I don't think I, I personally, and, and the Australian ticket team, tr- tr- team selection is based on what I feel like. And I don't know if I've ever been more wrong about a player than how fucking good Manus Labuschagne looks. Mm. Mm. I, it's really fucked our content. Yeah. But I suppose like of all the selections that have happened all the Callum Fergusons, all the Nick Maddinsons at the time, have, mm. all the Shaw Marsh re- reselections have been about trying to find the guy who's got a bit about him. And then Ricky Ponting comes along and goes, this is the guy. Yeah. Trust me, this is a guy. He's been anointed by Ponting. And so Ponting is right. Yes. And that's the actual takeaway. Well, uh, what I like about Labuschagne in the context of everything we've been searching for in Australian batting is that like, he combines old and new. Like he's a classical batsman. He's a stylist in his own way. Straight lines, defending down Straight the pitch. Straight lines, Pez. You know, his highlights were like classic strokes through the offside. Like mm. stuff that we could understand across generations. Mm. We have a generational war going on at the moment. That. But we can all fucking appreciate an off drive. We don't get that with Smith. But Labuschagne still also has a bit of that weird wave of the bat when he's leaving it. He's got a flat bat cover right. drive like Coley. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he's he's got universal popularity and cosmic popularity through God and stuff as well. So mm-hmm. I, I cannot fault the bloke. And, and the best thing about Labuschagne, I think, is that like he's a level above the, the standard cricketer that we've come to expect from Australia. Like He's a proper geek in cricketing terms. And I want my number three. I've said this before. I want my number three to be a proper geek. Like mm-hmm. I want him out on the field doing that weird thing that he does to his bat, standing on it for flexion, touching mm-hmm. bales so that they're not coming off at the side in case they you know they come off because Chad mm-hmm. Sayers bowled in that way mm-hmm. a couple of times. This, this, is what we, this is what I demand from Australia's number three. Well, the best number threes mm-hmm. have been geeks, exactly. haven't they? We've had some kind of cavalier threes mm. and loose kind of mm-hmm. cool threes. Yeah, you can I, I never have a cool a, guy. You I can't have a Julio. Julio. You can't have a Julio at three. Four, sure. Four, Ra- four you want that. Mm. You want Julio that's universal because I'm thinking Rahul Dravid, one of the great number threes. Exactly. India. That's, that's a nerd. He's just a fucking mm. wall. You need mm. a wall. Bradman, Bradman was a nerd. 100%. Yeah. There was no Julio about him. No. As no. Ian Chappell so vehemently displayed <laughs> on Julius Miro's show recently. Exactly. Um, nice to see Dave Warner in the runs. Oh, so good. Back. I mean, he did what we all knew he would do. It was so expected there, wasn't it? Like, we just knew it was going to happen. He'll come back to Australia and hit hundreds. That's exactly what we want. You know, he hit his hundred. He did that Toyota-branded celebration thingy. <laughs> Safety. Safety. Don't have to think anymore. I saw a tweet, actually, from Kevin Roberts. Um, he said, the scoreboard shows David Warner scored 154. What it doesn't show is how he supported Joe Burns and Marnus or his sportsmanship when a catch didn't carry tonight. Hashtag making Australians proud. Mm. David Warner's just making Australians <laughs> proud now, isn't he? You're buying into that, obviously. I'm, I'm fully yeah. on board that as well. Oh, this yeah. is a real narrative pivot of Warner. I mean, it's a shame Kev only has about 670 followers on Twitter. Otherwise, he would have got <laughs> fucking ratioed <laughs> beyond belief. <there. laughs> Considering what's happened in the last 18 months and so such. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've got uh, like Robolinda, Robolinda uh, yeah. coming on later. <laughs> you know, uh, Apparently, he's, um, his videos are being added to the pharmaceutical benefits scheme. You know, like Warner hundreds are yeah. like, you know, going to be in the next DSM-5 uh, yeah. as, as, a, as a treatment for Jen stress you know because mm-hmm. I, I certainly felt just watching Warner score 100 just like oh I can relax now I've been anxious for two years yeah, yeah. properly I don't I don't 
subscribe to this version of David Warner. 3.0, 4.0, Which, whatever it is. What, sorry, I want I, the I'm next not, one. What version is he? I, I I haven't caught up. I mean, he's got. He's, he's got the one that we can be proud of, right? But even though it's a it's a 4.0, so it's it's gone through a number of iterations. Yeah. How is this an advancement from the 1.0? Oh, there's still bug fixes to come. Yeah. Because it was T20 King, Attack Dog, the Reverend, the Reverend the then bull. the Bull. Yeah. What's this? So we're adding What's these little name? upgrades, and you have to download the new Dave Warner, and you but think he was, that these new features are going to be better. But are they? He was the reverend when Sandpaper happened, yeah. but he dipped into the bull stuff. Now he's the one we can be proud of. Then they just a one-name title that doesn't catch. But like, mm. I'm looking forward to the next one because I, I don't know if I need this one. It's just a bit like, oh, he just bats in straight at the top and he scores his hundreds. So this no, is he the, needs this, a name. There's no narrative to this no, one. No, he needs it. He I needs mean, a name. All sport must be filtered through Netflix yes. prisms. Like J- yes. Jose Mourinho was like, he was the special yeah. one, then the yeah. happy one. Yeah. We're still working out what he is at, yeah. at Tottenham. Like, yeah. like Warner needs a name. He needs a moniker. Mm-hmm. Perhaps we're just putting the call out there now. What are we calling Well, Warner? they've all been mm-hmm. binary, haven't they? The the rep like you can't mm. have like a middle median mm. nickname like, well balanced guy well balanced yeah. guy <laughs> normie <laughs> nice guy to have around at a barbecue mm. <laughs> could work okay <laughs> joe burns by the well do these run to this 97 he hit the right 97 runs as opposed the, to the incorrect 180 runs when correct. he last played for australia that's right is that right yeah there's a few gags about that yeah and like we said you know hair out the back of the helmet and now speaking of netflix prisms now it's about his relationship with Warner and like Warner's come out and said, oh, you know, make no mistake, he's definitely the rare unit. They've mm-hmm. been called the odd couple of which yeah. Warner's had about 13 odd couple partnerships, you know, Cowan, Rogers, mm-hmm. Burns, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, Burns is playing that, uh, that Robin, you know, to Batman role really well. And that's mm-hmm. what he wants to do. What makes mm-hmm. Joe Burns the perfect partner? We're talking perfect partners, footy mm-hmm. show style mm-hmm. for Dave Warner. I mean, what is it about him? What counterbalances you know, David Warner. Well, why is Joe Burns such a perfect partner? Doesn't this reveal more that Dave Warner's been a bit rare? And so there's someone who's in the team who's out Well, he's like the guy who's had like, you know, 12 or 13 relationships that only go for two or three months. Yeah. There's obviously something wrong there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Behind says, closed doors. Says more about Warner than it does about, you know, Rogers, for instance. Yeah. Yeah. He's just finding himself. What is he, 34, 33? <laughs> he's ready now to have a good opening partner. Yeah. He's finally ready to settle down. <laughs> it's nice, like, juxtaposition, though, like Warner's left... Burns is right hand, you know, Warner's short, <laughs> Burns is tallish. I thought we were talking wing politics there. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Well, yeah. I don't know. Uh, yeah. Odd couple. Odd yeah. couples are always good. Warner, short hair, Opposite Burns, longer hair. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know where we're going there. Um, Matt Wade hit 60. Is, is this like, I was, I was kind of thinking about like, so mm. Travis Head and Wade are getting me probably this summer just like, just don't fuck it up and you'll stay in the team. Supporting actors. You know, you just, uh, you don't, I don't think they need hundreds just like, because they're going to be coming in prob- probably, probably, a lot at like four for 300 Well, plus. that's what they're there for. And that is, again, the ideal scenario. He comes in at four for 360. Mm-hmm. You don't want him in at four for two. I feel like it's better for Wade than it is for Head, who's like, because Wade is towards the end of his career, whereas Head can really like stamp his next, his Australian career for 10 years if mm-hmm. he does well. But like, it, it's, it's in a lot of ways, it's hard coming in at, Weirdly, you know, four it's tough for because 400. He can't announce that, can he? He can't say, no. oh, I want to get in there at four for 20 because that would be ambitious yeah. and detrimental to his career. Yeah. I, yeah. I liked Wade's innings, though, like coming in at four for 300. It's been a long time, A, since that's happened. And then he played this like upbeat, bright innings. It was sort of 60 off 97. At one point, he like lifted someone into the, like Yazir into the stands. And then the Brisbane crowd, all sort of 200 of them, started singing, Come on, Aussie, come on. <laughs> Genuinely, it was like, we're, we're, you know, like it's, it's I mean, Brisbane is bicentenary. You know? yeah. It's like 1988. Expo 88. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And they started singing, Come on, Aussie, come on. So everything was safe and normal. And, and is that happy. normal? Well, yeah, it's like, a little like, bit weird. That's scary, not normal. I think. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. yeah. In this like low drone as well, like yeah. it was a haunting song. Oh yeah. my god. 
Um, anything to say about the bowlers? They just kind of. I mean, Lyon doesn't have a great record at the Gabba. That kind of continues well, badly, but just like just. <laughs> We're nitpicking here. Yeah, 100%. no, but no, that's but, that's but, when things are safe as well. Yeah. But is there anything to talk about the bowlers? I mean, Stark yeah. is good, Cummins good, Hayeswood always good. Yeah, well, I think the fact that like the main talking point was being upset that Cummins didn't take the new ball in the first innings right. of the first day right. goes to show that they're like they're just doing really well. They're just really good. They've got great variety. They um, are, are really fast good at when they want test to. Cricket at home. Yeah, they're yeah. just really good at it. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing more to say other than like you had that feeling when the shadows were lengthening over the ground that it was like, oh, it's just inevitable. There's four slips. Mm. People are just taking catches. It's all a bit inevitable. And, you know, once again, I'm sorry to say it, but super safe. This might sound like a village thing to say, but like having not seen a lot of cricket at the Gabba, we were there first day, mm-hmm. obviously. And we made comment about just how fucking far back the slips were. Like, I know that's just yeah. like, oh, come on, man, it's not fourth grade. But like, it's just like, it's just, I had my wicketkeeping hat on. I was just like, it just must be such a pleasure to be the wicketkeeper in the Australian team and just catch balls 50 metres back, like between your hip and your chest every single time. And so much better than when you go away to like Sri Lanka, where you're six metres away from the stumps and you're getting on the third bounce. Mm, yeah. It's just like, it just must be an absolute pleasure to stand that court. And, and just the confidence it must have. Just like, I know these guys who aren't, they don't bat on these conditions. Mm. They're going to nick it. Mm. I'm going to have six seconds between the nick and by the time the ball gets to me. Mm. It's the, the confidence that must breed in your heart. Mm. It's just sad that just part of their side is sorted out it's good nothing yep. more needs to be said and there's about 15 bowlers waiting in the wings <laughs> yeah. okay so australia picked up 60 test match championship points mm. they got 56 points for the two ashes wins yeah but the, it's just the most flawed point system away like surely you should get triple the points for winning your test match away from home oh, that's about right i reckon that the test championship <laughs> point system should be the same as the Qantas status credits Point system. Yes. Yep. yep. So if you go over to England like we did and you beat England away. So we just played in the Ashes two yep. two, right? Yeah. Yep. But that our points in that Ashes series, how much did they count for? Fifty six. Fifty six. So yeah, got, if you go to, if you fly to Heathrow from Sydney you get hundred and forty status credits. But right. if you go from Sydney to Melbourne you only get twenty right. status credits and only about a thousand points. Yeah. Mm. If you're playing at home. Right. So I just think that they should either license out the the Qantas mm-hmm. uh, frequent flyers program or the calculator that they use to <laughs> to give status points. Yeah, yeah. And then if they don't get seven hundred credit points, you know they'd lose their gold membership and they're down to silver. So mm. there should be points and then status points as well for away wins. Yeah, mm. so I don't know what they get with the points. Yeah, I can buy a coffee machine. But the the bigger point is the status credits. I think some wins, some victories are more important. Just like some flights should be more rewarded. Definitely. You know, I don't know how. Because you can't fly to Pakistan directly from Australia. True. They'd have to go to Dubai yeah. and then go on like one of those one world yeah. partner flights. I don't know how you yeah. work out the status credits for a Pakistan a, win in Australia. You have to get a bus. You have to get a bus. Yeah. You'd have to get a bus. So 46,000 people came to the Gabba over four days. 66,000 people came to the, the day-night test there two years ago against Pakistan. Um, it's actually slightly more. Uh, 20, uh, about, about the same amount of people came to the same test 20 years ago. Mm. Um, those stats are down to Dan Bredig. Uh, VSP and Cricket Info, I should say. Um, a couple of things there. First of all, every test should be played at night then because like more people are watching. Yeah. That's just... Uh, if, that, if that's what they're going for, more and more tests are going to be played Less at night. Less people right? are at school and or work. It makes yes. just makes more sense. Cricket. So most sports games are played at night because mm. people aren't either learning yes. or working for yes. a living. So that's why you put them yes. at night because right. then they can go to them. Neither of those things are on. Cricket doesn't... It doesn't fit into the 21st century life. Yes. Yes, well, like in my view, 
sport is Netflix. Sport is a TV show. It's entertainment. Uh, who is at the ground doesn't really matter. They should probably just make it free. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't really care who is at Brisbane because Australia wins there. Mm-hmm. And I'm sorry to just bang on about this, but mm-hmm. as long as they win there and the ball's passing through opposing batsmen's chests and hitting mm-hmm. them high on the blade, mm-hmm. I don't care. It's it's actually important for the national soul. I mean, this is a country that's being taken over by China as we speak. Yeah. Yeah. We've never needed balls hitting the splice of the bat more. <laughs> Keep the game in Brisbane and move on. Do you reckon it would, if we just did a refurb of the Gabba though? Because we were there and I felt it looked a bit tired. I know that the, the orange and the, the brown seats. I don't and like so the on. seats. Can I say that? Is that well, sacrilegious? You can it's say, very, it. You very, can say very, it. It's earthy and that, that's Queensland, isn't no, it? No, I like it's that. Resources, it's, it's mining. The, it's this, they just need a slight colour upgrade. Do you reckon they need like... Yeah. I like the connection to the you, land. You want you, a paint job? That's good. I just want, I just want cosmetic renovations. Same, same coloured seats or do you want corporate blue? I don't want corporate. I don't want. I don't need Brisbane to be corporate. It yeah. needs to be have no. some connection you want, to the You land. want 20th century Danish furniture, really streamlined, <laughs> clean and minimal mm. and white. No, a lot of you white want. architecture and furniture within yeah. the I want a complex. box stadium. Squares. Everything 90 degrees. What? Clean. <laughs> okay. okay. Gave okay. yourself away there. <laughs> okay. Well, that was a weird exchange. Um, uh, day five of the New Zealand and England test match um, is happening as we speak. England are four for 100 or 100 for four uh, in their third innings. They're still, that would make them about 150 runs behind. So it's, uh, it's happening as we speak. So we can't really uh, give too much away. However, mm. Ben Stokes' 91 took England to 353 all out in the first innings before New Zealand replied with nine declared for 615. The runs from New Zealand, boys. BJ Watling, 205. Mitchell fucking Santon hit 126 at number eight, his first Test match century. Um, took a three for as well. And it took three wickets, it took three wickets nice. at the beginning of the third innings. So he's having a day out. Having a day out. Uh, Joe Root failed again. There's a bit of a discussion about what's going on with Joe Root. Because yeah. uh, about a year ago, there was like, there's four good batsmen in the world. Yeah. Williamson, Coley, Smith, Root. Yeah. And then Root had a really tough Ashes. He's, had, he's played one Test match here, so he's obviously failed again. Therefore, is he cancelled? Oh, well, of course. Yeah. Yeah. He's also cancelled because he bowled um, Joffre for about 42 overs. Wow. So you can't do that to you know the flavour of the month in mm. Archer. That's just sacrilegious. That's interesting. And deserves cancelling. 42 overs. New Zealand got 615. Well, actually, I saw, I saw he was only bowling about 130. He's just like, fuck this. <laughs> He's going to bowl me 42 overs on a road where Mitchell Santley hits you yeah. know, 100. Yeah. Mm. Why do I care? Yeah. I, I enjoyed following, like, like you obviously follow a lot of people who are prominent on uh, English cricket Twitter when yeah. we play them mm-hmm. just for, for takes and just to understand the mentality there. And like, it was absolutely swamped with praise for England finally having an opening partnership that achieved 50 without loss. Cause mm-hmm. they've just not been able to establish an opening partnership for, I think about 60 years. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and they were number 50. It was Rory Burns and Dom Sibley. Mm-hmm. And there was just all sorts of chat just about finally this side's playing proper mm-hmm. cricket again. We it's great. It. And then you sort of saw wake it. up in the morning and it's yeah. like, Oh no, yeah. we're, Oh, then... BJ Watling got 200. Yeah, that's right. He batted for nine hours. Yeah. yeah. Stokes and... 91 again. Yeah, we just have one good player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot of defense of Joe Root out there, which is fine. Yeah, I like Root. Root's a good player. The problem with Joe Root is he does like he does still score runs, lots of half centuries, but he doesn't play match-winning innings. He doesn't, he doesn't play innings that win the game enough, which is what your premier batsman really mm. needs to do. So, mm. yes, you drop out of the top four, you cancelled. Right, kind of yeah. runs. Yeah. Wasn't he, uh, isn't his average... Strangely low in the second innings, that kind of stuff. Yeah, strange, unsettlingly low, unsettlingly low. Okay, let's talk about India and Bangladesh just quickly. So this was the first ever day-night test match in India. Um, Played, they played at Eden Gardens. It was the second test match um, after India 
um, smashed Bangladesh in the first test. Mm. So India became the first team to win four matches in a row by an innings. They won the second test in Calcutta against Bangladesh by innings in 46 runs inside three days, just decimated. They won this game without a spinner taking a single wicket. That's the first time that has ever happened in India. Uh, India's current streak is seven wins in a row. That's their best ever. India's fast bowlers, Ishant, Shami, Umesh and Bumrah, are averaging 15 this year uh, at a strike rate of 31. Um, There's this kind of feeling of like, we won at the Gabba, therefore we are the greatest team that's ever existed again. But India are legitimately <laughs> fucking awesome. It's not a real feeling that we're the best ever. But... I have that feeling. Uh, oh, okay. I, sp- I speak for myself. Sorry, then. pardon me. Well, um, my, I mean, speaking of problems, like I still look at India and I think, well, Asterix last year and uh, they're two, yeah, good pla- yeah. two good players of Boomer and Kohli and, you know, see how they go in next year. Because <laughs> I've got problems yeah. and I'm saying this is my problem. Yeah. But, it, it well, we have some context now. We're just saying oh, this is a summer of cricket, but, you know, there might be a showdown next year now because Australia will have a fairly comfortable summer, yeah. uh, mm. it would seem. So we can then, you know, believe that, that we are back. Mm-hmm. Good bowlers, mm-hmm. you know. There's Smith, a couple of batsmen coming to join him, and there should be a good showdown. Now we now we wait and see whether Coley wants to take Tim Payne's invitation mm. to play at the Gabba under with with a pink ball. Mm. How does that manifest itself? The invitation to to Coley from mm. Australia just mm. it was a press conference yesterday Facts. from from right. Payne. Yeah, right. he said we'll see what Virat has to say. Just mm. sort of you know, a bit tongue in cheek. We're not yeah, scared right. of you, kind of stuff. Maybe even and a pink I'm ball Maybe. I saw a headline on the ESPN Cricket Info saying a, a quote from Coley saying, we're open to anything. And I just like... This is I like when countries... This is just classic negotiation tactics between countries. Mm. Yeah. I just, I just, I'd just woken up and We're open to like, having talks at a, yeah. you know, a, 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 an offshore location. We'll mm. meet in Singapore and nut out our differences and ultimately produce, <laughs> produce a bill that means nothing. Yeah. Mm. It's like when North and South Korea met across the border and shook hands. Yeah. It's like that. Yes. Yeah, it's exactly the same, same thing. Um, I like this thing that India, though, are doing really well because it does build up to the thing of like the next series is the most important, the next summer is the most important. Absolutely. Let's just decimate everyone. But also in the statement that they've taken all those wickets without a spinner. Yeah. That's a real statement, shit, isn't it? We don't fucking need a spinner. Well, I was kind of thinking like if, if their pace attack's going to get better and better and do really well, are they going to start making wickets that will suit them, therefore also suit Australia's fast bowlers as well? Or will they, when, if Australia ever go there, they'll just mm. spin us out again. They'll change tactics. It's the next summit, Australia, India, here. here. Should be good. Next one. Yeah, we'll just have to wait a year, though. Club championship, boys. Yeah. So we'll just get through next year. Yeah. Yep. Well, obviously, yeah, we got 60 in this last test and 56 in the previous two against England, so mm-hmm. all makes sense. Um, just a quick one, boys. I don't know if you've seen this, but uh, CA are plugging a game called Big Bash Smash, which looks extremely similar to that game Test Match. Mm. <laughs> the, the one where, like, you know, it's a figurine game and you, you guys aren't talking right. about Test Match. Yeah, game. no, I yeah. saw the... the the image of the new board game. Yeah. It looks exactly the same it as looks the old exactly one, except they're wearing, the like, Zara. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, people on the front cover. Yeah, I think the um, I think the only difference really is you can score electronically with an app or something. Right, they've got oh, digital scoreboard. So it's got some digitization. Oh, basically, that, it's a way of yeah. getting customer data into my cricket. Then you can use those participants as play people who are actually playing cricket. Interesting. <laughs> That's CA's uh, thinking, I think. Here, interesting. How many times do you count those players if you have to reinstall the app? Four times. Minimum, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm in my cricket five times. <laughs> Not bad. Um, all right. Well, we got Bernard Fanning. We've got Bernard Fanning and Rob Belinda. Rob Belinda, two. We'll find out. We'll find out. Coming up right now. 
Today's Grade Cricketer podcast is brought to you with thanks to Blinkist. Blinkist is an app that allows you to get the key ideas from best-selling non-fiction books from experts in the form of bite-sized text and audio. All the key ideas in 15 minutes or less from award-winning titles by experts who have conferred with the author. It's the perfect time saver for those that want to read more but don't have the time and you consume all of it on the go from wherever you are. The topics in their library include sex and relationships, religion, parenting, science, motivation and inspiration. You can explore the library that's already over 3,000 titles strong with 40 new titles added every month. There's already 12 million people worldwide using Blinkist, which you can find on the App Store or wherever else you get your apps. And Blinkist have got an exclusive deal for you guys and girls out there listening to the Great Cricketer Podcast. Go to Blinkist.com forward slash cricket, that's B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T forward slash cricket to start a seven-day free trial. So go and check it out. That's Blinkist.com forward slash cricket or go and find it in the App Store. Okay, it's our pleasure to welcome legendary Australian rock and roller, lead singer of Powderfinger, songsmith, composer and creator of the solo record T and Sympathy, not to be confused with the weird cricket book T and No Sympathy. Uh, And from all reports, a huge cricket man, uh, Bernard Fanning. Bernard, welcome to The Great Cricketer. Thank you, fellas. How are you? Very well, thanks. Bernard, um, I mean, just for the benefit of the listeners, can you tell us your relationship to cricket and why you're even on this podcast at all as a rock and roll legend? Um, well, I grew up in a cricket family, and uh, it was kind of the number one priority for me as a as a kid, for me and my brothers. Uh, and yeah, just it's just never left me. I was I, I loved cricket before I loved music, actually. Mm. So, what was your relationship to cricket as a kid growing up? Were you watching it on TV? Um, you know, Channel Nine, Richie yeah. Benno evoking those kind of memories, or in the backyard with the, yeah. the brothers? Even prior to that, ABC. ABC test coverage. I mean, mm. I'm 50, so I do remember little snippets of the the pre-WSC stuff. Oh, yeah. mm. um, and, I mean, I was playing cricket, playing club cricket for West from when I was about seven or eight, West in Brisbane. Mm-hmm. Uh, and my eldest brother, who was 10 years older than me, was playing first grade at West when I was about seven or eight. So, yeah, we were pretty, we were all pretty obsessed with cricket. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember your first ever Australia game that you went to? Do you, do you still go to the Gabba or, or any of the, the cricket grounds around Australia? Yeah, I went to the Gabba on Thursday, actually. I went for day one the other day, which was kind of atrocious. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was, pretty, it was a pretty slow day of cricket. It was, I mean, it was kind of old school test cricket, I guess. Um, but mum and dad were members of the Trust. They were, they were members at the Gabba. Mm. So we went to Shield Games and... You know, like state one day as, as well as the international stuff. You mm. know, with a Mineski packed full of ham sandwiches and frozen <laughs> water and whatnot. <laughs> but it was pretty awesome having that because at the Gabba in those days before it was redone, mm. the members was right next to, excuse me, was right next to um, the players area, so you could actually go and stand at the gate where the players were kind of coming in and out and get autographs and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So that was in the kind of mid to late 70s when the Windies were in their absolute prime. Oh, so mm. I remember standing and getting Joel Garner's autograph, actually. And oh. I, was, I was only probably seven or eight. Mm. Um, and I remember I was looking at the waistband of his pants. As <laughs> 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 he <laughs> <laughs> he was a giant. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, so, uh, yeah, spent heaps of time at the Gabba as a kid uh, and also going around watching watching district cricket because my brother was playing oh. as well on Saturday Arvos. And even listening into you know, ABC Grandstand, I remember kind of gardening in the yard with Dad and uh, they used to give district cricket score updates on Saturday oh afternoon. <laughs> the, go- the golden years. <laughs> yeah. Not a lot of they content. were the golden years, <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Bernard, I mean, y- your passion for cricket is so obvious, but it, like I find it a little bit of a conundrum. I mean, you're like a super rock and roll star. You know, rock and roll is largely, or at least music is largely considered to be cool, whereas cricket is the least cool thing of all time. I mean, <laughs> have we got it wrong, you know, all, all, all this time? Like, uh, can you make an argument for cricket being cool uh, <laughs> as Bernard Fang? Because cause you seem to find well, it quite cool. It's clearly the the coolest game or pastime that there is. There's no doubt about that. I mean, especially test cricket. Um, not that many of us get to experience that, but, um, you know, it's, I'm, I'm actually, I'm married to a Spaniard, so she has no interest whatsoever in cricket and <laughs> trying to convince her and her friends of the, the kind of attractions of the game is, it's a kind of a dead end argument, but, it's helped me clarify what I love about it so much. Mm. And it's and it's just, I think it's that uh, there's so many possibilities. You know, anything can happen in a game, starting with a toss. Mm. So that's what makes it so exciting and interesting mm. um, because, uh, you know, baseball has its similarities, I guess, but, but the ball doesn't bounce. So mm-hmm. the variables that are taken out, mm. you know, you can kind of get off a cricket wicket and the weather and all that stuff it's just it's just uh, it's like chess I guess or, or like a science um, I, I want to kind of explore that confluence between music and cricket, uh, particularly around social dynamics. So obviously, each cricket team has an alpha, a beta, mm-hmm. a, you know, a chop king, perhaps um, certainly a rare unit. I'm sure there's no shortage of rare units in Powderfinger. Mm. Can you kind of um, <laughs> break down the, the dynamics in, in the band? I mean, where would you put yourself in that category? Well, we played a lot of cricket, actually, when we were writing and when we were recording. That's kind of what we did when we had a break when we were having a break from, you know, if we were in the studio or whatever and we needed to kind of get out of there for half an hour, we'd just go out and have a game in the backyard with a swing ball. Mm-hmm. Um, so I definitely consider myself to be the alpha in Powderfinger. Most would, yeah. In cricket alpha, that is. Mm, yeah. um, oh, okay. <laughs> but, um, yeah, there was... You know, everyone was of varying abilities, but everyone was very enthusiastic about the game. So, is is the Chop King the guy that does the most shagging in the in the band? Yeah. Correct. Yes. That, yeah. yeah. Right. Well, that wasn't me. Actually, <laughs> you, <laughs> you, can you guys explain to me exactly what salad is? Is it hair? Yeah. yeah. Salad is hair. Face salad yeah. is a beard. Yeah. Um, Lip salad, oh, moustache. Yeah. Because you probably need a grade cricketer glossary because. Mm. For, for newcomers mm. because, I mean, I'm a cricket fan and I didn't know what salad was for quite a while. I actually thought it was a ver- number of variations that a bowler had in there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you are a man of words. Yeah. I mean, that yeah. makes sense, that makes doesn't sense. it? Like, what's, yeah. what's your salad? Yeah, you know, your variety salad. of deliveries. No, no, <laughs> a salad is hair. Just think yeah. of tossed salad on your head. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah, okay. 
Can you, I think can... I got my head around like, for the rest of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, we haven't got a head around it yet Almost either. Yeah. Um, Bernard, last week we did a live show in Brisbane and um, Jason Gillespie spoke so highly of you and he mentioned that in a, a Powderfinger clip he noticed that in the background there was a poster of him playing... Um, one day cricket for South Australia. Just an old mercantile mm. mutual cup game in the nineties. Yeah. yeah, and we still just wanted yeah, to pass on a message for him uh, from him. He, yeah. uh, he he said that he caught up with you in two thousand and five, uh, oh, and yeah. and like didn't want to. Um, what was it? He didn't want to like monopolize your time That's at right. a bar because you're obviously at peak of your powers just mm. about two thousand and five. And he said that as he left you in the bar, um, he saw you look distraught that you'd sort, that he'd sort of brushed you. He just wanted to communicate an apology for that. Uh, and maybe you guys could catch up again. Can you shed any light on that or any memory? Um, I'm, I don't remember the exact occasion. Nice. Um, I've never met Jason Gillespie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See, Alfred Powerfinger no, right there. I mean, I remember, actually, I do remember <laughs> hanging out with Gillespie and Gilchrist and those guys at, at that time. They came to kicks and all that sort of stuff. Um, mate, we were always more excited about talking to cricketers and people like that than anybody else. That was that was a big bonus for us. We, we in fact, in the, I think it was about 2001 or two, we kind of had our first glimpse of, of cricket royalty. We were, JC and I were invited to play in a variety club match, mm. which was at St. Ignatius in Sydney. Is that Riverview? Is that yes, what, yes, what yes. that is? Yeah. yeah. Um, where they've got like a telescope and, you know, they've got, it's like NASA, that place. Anyway, um, incredible cricket field, and there was there was a lot of kind of just just finished cricketers playing, and Shoah Bakhtar was playing actually at the time, um, and luckily he was on our side. Um, <laughs> I was fielding at first slip, JC was at second slip, and Phil War, who was the um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Australian breakaway at the time mm, in the yeah. in the Wallabies, who I think was in a nineteenth. Australian under 19s keeper or something like that. He was keeping. Anyway, first ball, he bowled. Kim Hughes was batting. Kim Hughes hit him straight back over his head for four, maybe six, but just creamed it, absolutely creamed it. And um, and the next ball was the fastest thing I've ever seen, like <laughs> car, plane, anything. Uh, it, was, it, was, <laughs> it was clearly a peg. It was like Shoah was pretty it. shitted off with the whole situation. <laughs> uh, and Phil War actually took it about three metres over his head. Um, and JC and I asked immediately if we could be moved out of the slip. <laughs> it was pretty terrifying. Uh, good to see yeah. Shabak just chucking it in a charity game. Yeah, um, yeah. a lot of lot of layers to that. Mm. But I wonder if you if you could tell us about um, the pursuit of your music career in relation to other pressures in your life. A lot of guys who listen to this podcast are sort of young guys, just maybe having a bit of a crossroads. You know, maybe they're playing second grade and they're thinking like, well, maybe I'll drop out of uni and pursue mm. something that I actually care about. But also, if I score thirty in the weekend, I might be in, in the chance for ones next week. So, it was it was it a really clear, defined thing for you that you that you, you know, had to pursue music or were there other sort of pressures in your life as well? Well, I mean, I was at uni. I was studying to be a journalist right. um, when I joined the band. Mm. Studying, in inverted commas, I mm. should say. I was enrolled. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, um, but, oh, I mean, from the time I was about 15, I think when I started playing guitar and started um, 
writing songs, I was pretty sure that that's what I wanted to do. I just didn't really have the guts to make the move. I didn't really even know how to make the move. You know, I was like, I was a pretty closeted private schoolboy. Um, so I didn't really know that much about the music world or anything like that. Um, I just knew that I loved writing songs and all that sort of stuff. So it was kind of inevitable, I guess, that I'd end up in a band, but not necessarily end up as a musician, you know, for, for the majority of my life. So, I mean, it's anyone that kind of succeeds, I guess, in in the music business or in any arts business, you've you've got to you've got to realise how much luck is involved in that of being in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, similar to cricket, I guess, you kind of make your own luck as well. You have to be ready for the next step if there's one there on offer, you know, in terms of, you know, say in the early days, Powderfinger supporting supporting bigger bands or whatever, being able to step up and, and play that show and to be good, mm. you know? Mm. In same as going up from seconds to firsts, I, I imagine. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I know I understand. Yeah, it's exactly the same. Maybe yeah. less sledging in first grade. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, in the music world, the critics are the guy that's standing at gully that, that bats it <laughs> and just sledges. <laughs> Bernard Zool. Um, yeah. yeah. Richard Kingsmill, I think. Um, Kingsmill is the attack dog. Yeah. <laughs> Bass eight doesn't bowl. Um, Richard, uh, yeah, Richard Kingsmill, yeah. um, a, a, a great listener of the Great Hood podcast. Um, Bernard, the album Odyssey number five, um, it's, there's obviously a number of great iconic tracks there. Not my kind of scene these days, mm-hmm. up and down and back again. Uh, lyrics like treat me like a dog and I'm not relaxed or comfortable what made you decide mm-hmm. to write an entire album about grade cricket <laughs> <laughs> you could definitely appropriate most most lyrics to grade cricket I mean especially have. in the context that you guys you guys presented in couldn't you mm-hmm. I mean um you I mean you could you could have smoke on the water couldn't you you could have <laughs> you could be beat into the water. you know <laughs> between showers <laughs> so there's yeah there's lots of similarities aren't there mm. i mean you can appropriate anything to to cricket really like i said because it's mm. so all-encompassing mm. it, it has so many very variables and so many factors it mm. can it can be applied to anything mm. bernard sp- speaking of parallels you know we talk a lot about uh you know the the tubbing scene the shower scenes in cricket you know the off-field behaviors i mean does mm. similar stuff um, happen in the music scene as well? Is there is there a tubbing culture? Is there an off-field culture? Shower with the roadies? There's not really a tubbing culture. Right. I mean, the, the, the equivalent would probably be the drinking, I right. imagine, um, <laughs> that happens after the game. Yeah. I mean, we get to drink at work as well, whereas mm. cricketers kind of have to Oh, wait you can still do that. No, less so, just mm. less, less so. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess. But um, <laughs> um, there, there's not so much of the, the shower scene stuff um, actually, at, at that variety club uh, game that I played in Sydney, I walked into the dressing room after the game, and and I may be the only person on earth who has seen both Kim Hughes and Merv Hughes naked at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> What was that vibe like? It's seared yeah. into my memory, as you can imagine, Merv. That, that's seriously seared oh my into God. my memory. But 
So it's like one yeah. of those Channel 9 memorabilia collector's items. Yeah. <laughs> was it like seeing a real life before and after photo? <laughs> yeah. It's just like a giant ball of wool. Bernard Bradman has two songs about him, including well, you know one by the great Paul Kelly. Um, Steve mm. Smith doesn't have a song about him. Uh, will you write yeah. that, or do more words rhyme with Labuschagne? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, loose must change. Um, uh, I, I'm unlikely to be the one to write that song. Um, a mate of mine has had a go at one night, which he texted to me the other night, but the chorus was lacking a little in invention. It just kept saying Steve Smith, Steve Smith, Steve Smith, over and over. Which is probably <laughs> <enough. But>, um, <laughs> Is it a dubstep track? I have never written one song about cricket, which was um, which was a B-side. Well, not a B-side. It was a hidden track on a record we had called Double Allergic, a song called SS. And the uh, the chorus refrain is, it's about playing backyard cricket with my brother and with the neighbourhood kids and rocking the roofs of local local neighbours and whatnot at the same time, um, just getting your throwing arm in shape. Um so yeah, Stuart Surridge never growing tired was the uh, was the refrain in that song. <laughs> but that idea of not wanting to not wanting to stop, not wanting the sun to go down, you want to just keep playing and playing. And, and just finally, Bernard, you obviously, um, you know, you're a fan of Queensland cricket. There's some good stories about you celebrating the Queensland Shield in 94. Mm. Um, I believe your quote was shit-faced on the hill. Uh, <laughs> and, and then just, we, we know overnight, Tim Payne's made some comments about cricket being played at the Gabba by India next year. Virat Kohli has um, has been brought into it. Payne said, you know, we'll, 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 play, we'll see what Virat thinks. Um, yeah, a lot of conjecture over whether cricket should still be played in Brisbane based on, you know, the, the few people that go, but we feel so safe when we're there. I mean, do you have a comment, uh, you know, to Virat based on that as well? <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, I love Coley. I think he's he's awesome. I mean, not not just as a batsman, but I, I actually like his personality. I like that he's he throws his weight around because he can, you know, and mm. it's very alpha, obviously. Mm. Um, <laughs> but I would appeal to Virat for the sanctity of test cricket uh, to remain in Australia. The, I think you're going to get 30,000 people there if, the, if India are, are playing the first test at the Gabba. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and also, if he really wants to prove that he's the best batsman of all time, um, mm. then he does need to, to play a test in November in Brisbane with Cummins, Hazelwood, Stark... Patents and whoever else is bowling at him, and hit a hundred, and then if he does that, then they can they can start in fucking Hobart next. Time. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's perfect. Are you listening, Virat? Uh, this does go out yeah. to Indian radio. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Fanny, thanks so much uh, for joining us on the Grey Cricketer. Uh, total pleasure uh, of ours, and hope to catch you soon. Nice one, boys. Good on you. Peter Siddle. Peter, um, welcome to the Great Cricketer Podcast. Can you just tell us about your earliest memories of Dandenong Cricket Club? Obviously, sharing is always a big issue, a big issue for, for young kids um, coming into a senior cricket team. This has to be the brief from CA. <laughs> of the key message. Just talk to them about showers. Yeah, They'll be right. fine. I love the shower yeah. stuff. Yeah. I thought you might like this. But, yeah. um, and uh, as, as a young 16-year-old uh, kid, you don't really want to get in the shower. You're a bit nervous around the, around the senior guys. And um, I did that for the first three games. And then they... Uh, They'll quick to say, okay, Sits, you've got an ultimatum. You either 
you either get nude and get in the shower or we're throwing all your crib gear in. Right. And I thought, <laughs> mum and dad have paid a lot of money for this crib gear. Uh, yeah. I've got no money to yeah. pay for any. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah, no worries. Right. Yeah. Drop the strides in, and I went and yeah. um, <laughs> I was sweet from there. I felt relaxed in the changing room. Oh, that's good. <laughs> Dave, here goes. Crick Info described this guy as a kind of cricket historian, an archivist, DIY publisher, a super fan and a super freak. Others have described him as the Banksy of cricket. He's got thousands and thousands of hours of cricket footage and forgotten moments of cricket history with millions of views and probably reams of abuse uh, in the YouTube comments as well. I'm talking about the great man of the game, Rob Moody. Rob, welcome to the show. Good afternoon, guys. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. Look, Rob, first and most important question, um, the name of your YouTube channel, a combination of your name, Rob, and presumably a partner named Belinda uh, with number two at the end. Just yeah. for the benefit of the globe, can you clear up? How do you pronounce it? How do you pronounce your moniker? <laughs> People have asked me this uh, a lot over the years, but I've never, I've never had to say it. <laughs> how so would you? Should you I've have to? I've got no idea. Gun to your head. Got... How do you say it? Uh, Rob loose bus change. <laughs> <laughs> This is a cricket's equivalent of I would, uh, if, <laughs> I would say just Robolinda makes sense. Oh, he yeah. goes was right. Yeah, Clarity. I was right. Yeah, he goes was you! right. Right. Well, the interview's over now. Because it yeah. doesn't make sense going Rob Elinda. Yeah, correct. Just doesn't make sense, does it? Yeah. yeah. No, it doesn't make sense. Mm. So, yeah, that's what I would think if, if I had to say it. Yeah. Uh, Rob, we'll get to the videos themselves in a moment, but I just the, the thing that really springs out to me when when trawling your back catalogue is just the titles that you that you put there that, that really capture the sport of cricket in a nutshell. And I'll read out a few for for some of the listeners that might not be acquainted. Uh, Twenty three funniest Inzamam runouts. Prepare to laugh your ass off. Cricket. Um, worst batting of all time. Use your bat, you morons. Um, ugliest incident between Tendulkar and Ponting. Sachin recalled to the wicket. Furious Ponting. Furious. 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 And he was. He really was. I mean, what's your favourite uh, clip in the archive? And maybe if you can remember the title as well. Uh, well, the Intamon one was good and interesting because I had to upload it about maybe six different times because the BCCI and the Pakistan board kept copywriting certain clips within it and they would actually specify which ones inside the video. So there's even more embarrassing ones that I wasn't able to show. (laughs) That was pretty fun. Um, Can can I I just call you Robolinda? Just on that Robolinda too. is that seriously, like, I think when most people watch your clips, like, they imagine, you know, that you are, like, the man of the people, you know, giving the people what they want. Mm. You do uh, take d- requests. Delivering for the people uh, when there's the kind of, like, you know, criminal syndicates of cricket administrators trying to, <laughs> trying to shut you down, you know, trying to censor you. Mm. Like, I, I've always imagined you've got some rogue lawyer with you or something just able to hit back at all this strong arming from the BCCI and Cricket Australia and stuff like that. Like, is, like are you, without, I don't want you to shit-can them or anything like that, but, like... Do, are you quite well versed in how to protect the stuff that you put up and knowing what will pass and what won't? Or are you talking to us from an embassy in Ecuador at the moment? <laughs> oh, that's, that's, that's right. That's, that's right. Uh, I, 
I only know based off other people's experiences and my own experience which videos that I estimate to be a safe upload. When I started, there was a whole bunch of great uh, YouTube channels that did heaps of great cricket stuff and one by one they all got shut down. And, uh, and so I just sort of kept plodding along and trying not to make the same mistakes they did because mm. they would say, oh, this video got copyrighted, so I got shut down. I'm thinking, oh, man, and I'm, I'm not going to last here. So I just kept trying to avoid doing anything that was recent or current. That seemed to be what they were hitting the most. And uh, there's a there's an organisation called Copyright Integrity International who all the cricket boards employ to monitor... Uh, footage online that people put up and so that's, that's Cricket Australia, ECB, PCB, BCCI, Cricket South Africa um, and uh, and anything World Cup related all falls under uh, all that stuff as well. So generally I just sort of steer clear. The only, the only time I've ever had any proper conversation with, with Cricket Australia uh, off the record at the time uh, I guess but uh, they just said you know you're doing the right thing just staying clear of anything new uh, and we don't care what you put up otherwise uh, until they started copying all my videos <laughs> yeah oh so that's sorry so, so so that's interesting like you're not permitted to put new things up now however you find that they take your stuff well yeah so that's what happens so every, every couple of days they'll put up a new video and then I'll just wait on my inbox waiting for the three or four <laughs> claims to come in. That's what happens. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I just want to know, Roblinda 2, um, like, how, how do you have so much cricket content, all these videos, they all, like VHS, a hard drive? Like, like, What's the actual format that you have all these videos and how do you have so much? Well, I guess it just started like everyone does in the 80s or a kid, you take the odd match here and there, then you take every match ever. <laughs> it just, just snowball. No, it's an addiction. Um, mm. But initially, everything was on the VHS tapes until 2004. Mm. Uh, and then I slowly started to convert them. And I'm still doing that. It takes a long time. Uh, I guess 70% of it's on DVD. Mm. And maybe, maybe less than 10% still on video, the rest on hard drives. As most people have their stuff now on hard drives, mm. but they break though, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. Has um has Belinda ever taped over any of your <laughs> rare videos by accident? Elinda. Uh, no, um, but uh, at the worst that uh, that she could do is to hit a hard drive with a hammer or something. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Rob, you're you're like a an ornament to the game, you know, man of the people. Like, have you had any interactions or sort of private approaches from from players who've maybe thanked you for what you've put up? I mean, you must have access to footage and be able to demonstrate footage from players of previous eras who might not have seen themselves play before. I mean, you probably you, you must have some appreciative uh, kind of subscribers yep. who, who've actually been shown on your footage. Yeah, heaps of ex-players around the world have contacted me uh, asking for footage, and I've tried to give it to them whenever I could, um, especially stuff from the Rebel Tours of South Africa in the early 80s. Um, uh, Peter Kirsten was up to some stuff of a ball where he got hit in the head. 
by an Australian bowler who I, it may have been Rodney Hogg, but uh, um, yeah, heaps of players. Um, just, uh, what do they say? Like, can you do a compilation the... of my best cover drives from '83 to '85? Soundtrack. <laughs> well, that'd be great. Uh, I think that it's after any footage, especially Shield players that didn't realise games were televised in the late nineties, early two thousand. Um, guys like Corey Richards, he was up to some stuff, so I gave him six or seven innings nice. where he did some made some runs. Nice. Um, that happened. Is it true, Rob, that you have the underground footage from Cape Town two thousand and eighteen proving that only three people knew about sandpaper? <laughs> I wish I did. <laughs> <laughs> no, I got absolutely no idea. What would the title be In to fact, that video if you had it? Would it just be absolute shocking outrage? <laughs> can't believe it. Australia fucking idiots. Yeah. I'd probably chuck in some, uh, you know, Westy Bogan Warner uh, <laughs> stuff like that. Uh, you know. Uh, let, let, let's see, uh, turn the cartoons off, mate. Um, <laughs> That's where the magic happens. <laughs> it's just SEO. Well, uh, Rob, like what, um, what is the most clickable content and also what content winds people up the most? Like, Can you give us an insight into just, you know, cricketers, cricket fans can be passionate from wherever they are around the world. Like, Can mm. you just give us an insight into the, the kind of reactions you get from people when they get particularly passionate? Well, I guess I don't upload... And not too much these days that uh, that riles people up too bad. But say ten years ago, when the, there was a lot of cheating going on from all over the world, Pakistan and especially obviously uh, around the 2010 mark. But anything revolving subcontinent teams and cheating, and of course now with the Aussies, uh, everyone loves that. Anything comparing Coley to anyone. Prior to that, it was Tendulkar. Mm-hmm. Um, especially Tendulkar at, at the time, especially because he was, when social media was really starting to kick off, that was when he was being fairly dominant and coming towards the end of his career. So it was always a touching subject. And this is a purely altruistic passion of yours, isn't it? You've never sought to monetize yeah. the content or, you know, because you could obviously make a shitload of money if you wanted to, um, depending on how you play that relationship yeah. with the rights holders. So it's just a passion project for you. Yeah, there's a there's a website that estimates how much you would earn from advertising if you had your channel monetized, and uh, I'm pretty sure I'd be calling you from my private yacht at the middle of the South Pacific <laughs> if oh, that was the case. Yeah, yeah, it it, it it was millions of dollars a year. Wow. wow. So, and despite that knowledge, you um, maintain it as an altruistic pursuit. Like, why why do you do that? Well. Partly because I've seen other people get in so much trouble, um, especially tax reasons, and uh, and it's it is difficult to properly monetize a channel which has the majority of footage with being footage other people own. So I don't own the copyrights or anything. So you, at some stage you do have to prove that you own the copyrights. So even if I even if I got away with it for six months, then earned 500 grand, at some point, someone would come knocking, asking, you know, where's your copyright sure. license? Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, 
and tax troubles, and then paying money back, mm. and no one wants that sort of rubbish. Mm. Rob, uh, how does it feel to have prevented hundreds and thousands of teenage boys and girls from delving into the world of online pornography by instead posting compilations of Damien Martin's cover drive? <laughs> yeah, well, I was thinking about doing a uh, Damien Martin and Greg Blewett cover drive comparison video, oh. but uh, God. <laughs> I, I think it's, think it's yeah, too hard. Just like the haunting and Greg Blewett pull shot comp. Oh, yeah, private tabs everywhere. I think that would that would destroy the internet. Yeah, yeah your your ponting compilation pool shot got got me through some really tough times uh, <laughs> after a breakup. And that was only a small selection. I am I have uploaded. I've made one video which I haven't uploaded yet of every single David Boone cut shot in his international career. My God. I mean, today Cricket Australia announced their Amazon Prime documentary. <laughs> fuck that. <laughs> yeah, I know. Seriously. It, it, goes, it goes for an hour and 52 minutes. Oh, God damn. Oh, that's some good shit. And, I mean, and they're, and they're, all in, they're all in order as well. Uh, I mean, is this, is, this the, is this the future for Robolinda 2 in the absence of, like, like, you know, stronger copyright laws and stuff like that? Are you moving into kind of uh, compilations and, uh, and documentaries, etc.? I mean, what, what does the future hold for Robolinda 2? Um, I've got absolutely no idea. I mean, I, I haven't even done that much this year, really, because um, we're too busy. But uh, the channel keeps growing like crazy. It's, it's up 20, 30 million every month, uh, which is... It's crazy, um, but uh, I guess it's just, it's a standalone entity now. You know, I, I all all the content I ever wanted to produce on there is on there, mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah, it's pretty weird that uh, I get weird comments like like a dad in his twenties, you know, said, "Oh, you know, I I watched your channel when I was eleven years old, and now I'm using it to teach my kids about certain cricketers." Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, "Wow, it's actually." It's actually doing that sort of work, which is pretty weird. Mm. All right. Uh, well, Rob, I mean, that was what a what a great journey that was to, to learn how all of that works. And I hope people listening um, get a good appreciation, not only of the kind of humour that you'll have been exposed to throughout your time, but also I, I genuinely think it's a... A, a wonderful contribution to cricket, you know, what you've provided. I mean, we are able to watch players and watch moments that we otherwise would not have. Uh, and, you know, whatever you decide to do to defy some people trying to strong arm you, um, well, all power to you from at least this small TGC enterprise. And, you know, I do think cricket should do more <laughs> to recognise what you do. I mean, we went to the Hall of Fame inductees last year at the uh, Cricket Australia Awards. <laughs> yeah. I'm going to put out a campaign for Robel into two to go in next. I don't think, any, I, I think you'd be the people's champion. People would be given order of Australia's the less. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I think it would never happen, but, uh, you know, in general, try to keep things fun, you know, um, and everyone likes to laugh. I think that's why everyone at, at the moment likes uh, loose bus change and fading in personality in the media, you know, everyone likes the fresh attitude of, of, of the kid and, he's, you know, it's, uh, it's what everyone wants. Everyone doesn't want to be serious all the time, right? So, uh, like uh, what was Richie saying, the twelfth man, keep it up five, keep it interesting. <laughs> <laughs> no, so well on That's that note, Rob. Uh, thanks so much for joining us. We'll catch you next time. <laughs> thanks, guys. 
Okay, ladies and gentlemen, My Smuggling Remake, the new campaign from Budgie Smuggler. There's only a week to go in it. Let me explain what it is. Uh, you are using the hashtag My Smuggling Remake. The concept is simple. Recreate a famous advertisement, image or movie TV scene, mm. but do it in Budgie Smugglers or Smugglets. It could be anything from a scene in Titanic, for example. The, mm-hmm. be- the you know Beatles images, you know, walking across Abbey Road there. A famous sporting moment. If it's been on screen or in print, it's play on. Uh he goes, Dave, I'm inviting you now to make some suggestions for what you could use for My Smuggling Remake. Obviously, the, the scene from Ghost where Patrick Obviously. Swayze, <laughs> yeah, mm. uh, just you need, you need more Swayze on your smugglers. Mm. Mm. Another one would be just that handshake of Rat Coley shaking Stoinis' hand mm. after a T20 at the Gabba. Oh, I was an ODI, one of the two. But like, Coley really got in Stoinis' smiley, happy grill. And it was a he was trying to alpha Stoinis and it just was it wasn't gonna, it wasn't playing mm-hmm. it wasn't playing remake that so remake that yeah remake that okay yeah Dave I, I might step outside cricket this week mm-hmm. um, there's obviously a democratic hopeful called Pete Buttigieg mm-hmm. um, you know he's hoping to win election or mm-hmm. at least be the nominee for the Democratic Party in the U.S. presidential election in 2020 he's got a dance out at the moment the high high hopes dance <laughs> um, that his supporters have kind of carefully choreographed this dance to the Panic at the Disco song. Mm-hmm. Um, if you could just do that, but in Budgie Smugglers, I think that would help mm. him um, in 2020. If you were that way inclined politically. They don't say his name, Buttergig. Like John Buttergig, the North Queensland Cowboys prop. I'm not sure. The same. Mm. Not sure. Mm. Not sure. That's it's a US ask. thing. Yeah, it's a US thing. Is that just Australia just butchering the English language? A Buttergig? You mean Buttergig? <laughs> Buttergig is quite a, yeah advancement from looking at those letters on screen but yeah. nevertheless do you have one do you have an image uh look uh, just speaking of names that can't be spelt pr- correctly mm-hmm. uh or said correctly mm-hmm. please stop calling him loose bus chain love <laughs> just say it that meme is dead by the time this podcast comes out yeah, i'm yeah. sorry yeah. yeah sorry anyway i uh, would respect it rob uh so <laughs> yeah look may- maybe mana signing that those uh pizza shapes i mean that that, oh, will, that will get numbers that will get numbers. it already has got yeah, numbers it's already yeah. got a lot of numbers so just put yeah. that next to it. i mean and let me explain with this my smuggling remake as well there's an act- actually some incredible prizes on offer truly like highly monetized prizes uh first place $2,500 of smuggling credit. Second place, $1,000 of smuggling credit. Third place, $500 of smuggling credit. Uh, pounds will be, pounds equivalent will be awarded if using the UK website. It's a lot. That's a lot of kit. It's a lot. Mm. The judging criteria, now listen in for those prizes. Uh, it brings a smile to people's faces. People mm. are likely to give a nod in appreciation of your work. <laughs> Must feature budgie smugglers and or smugglets. Video entries will be considered and are highly encouraged. The normal smuggle responsibly rule will apply i.e. don't break the law, put yourself or others in danger. Entries close December 1st, so time is limited. It's very important for this to have been on a screen or in print, though. Mm-hmm. So people need to immediately understand what it is. We can't, mm. we talked to before, mm-hmm. before the podcast, maybe mm-hmm. Rodney Hogg doing a tweet about Greta Thunberg. Yeah, you can't do that. We haven't mm-hmm. seen that. We can visualise what that looks like, yeah, yeah. but you can't do An that. angry, cr- a crimson face. It looks like an old man yelling at a cloud, mm-hmm. is what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Not a bad one. It's good. So yeah, budgiesmuggler.com.au hashtag my smuggling can we, remake. Can we win this? Can we? That's because I wouldn't mind two and a half grand worth of budgie kit. Um, I'll check. I'll check. With if Lindy. we won, pre- it might I'd... be a bit like, mm, but no. I want. Mm. I want that. Yeah, I'd imagine it's illegal. Okay. Yeah. Well, let's look into it. <laughs> hashtag SDGC. Uh, thanks for your questions this week. Slash short story competition. But please, for the love of God, keep them short. <laughs> uh, Joe Dowling. G'day lads. I'm a 20 year old country cricketer who not only lacks talent, but also the lost love of the game after six runouts last season. 
including a part-time off-spinner dropping a catch, which deflected onto the stumps as I was backing up. Fucking hell, sorry, Joe. After having promise bestowed on me by a high-performing dad, the opportunity to play at a private boarding school as well as a decent kit slash willow, I have found I have little left to love about our game. However, I was writing in to, require, to inquire about the significance of the Triple C. As an underperforming cricketer within the farming districts of Western Australia, century circuits and chops are all far and few between. Not only will I never turn up, the chance of finding a female companion in a local pub is highly unlikely. Not that this really counts as a circuit. Anyway... From us out here in similar circumstances, is there any other way to reach this, the certain enlightenment a triple C entails? Is there an alternative for the many underachievers to somewhat feel good about themselves in a game that strives to make you feel de- a definitive contrast? Should I just quit cricket and move to the city in the hope of finding a deeper meaning in life? Long-time fan of the cast. Keep up the good chat, Joe. Well, I, I'm a city slicker. So it's difficult mm. to empathise, yep. and um, that's to my detriment. You know, I, I need to better acquaint myself with like regional, remote, country, rural areas around Australia. That said, and at the risk of sounding like a cuck, the Triple C is not restricted to female companions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you want Joe that, to be gay? You want him to turn? No, not necessarily. I'm just saying. To my understanding, the, there's never been a delineation around the triple C and who that chop has to be with. No. So, um, if that is of interest. Oh, okay. I see. To, I see. To Joe, well, that, yeah. might, that he, might expand been, his audience. Right. He's been quite specific there, and, and he hopes to find a female companion. Yeah. But I do sure. understand the sentiment, yeah. of course. Yeah. I mean, this just, just maybe for others out there as well. Just yeah, the, yeah. The, the laws around the triple C. Well, sexual yeah, yeah, fluidity yeah. is a big thing. I mean, a lot of people, are, you know, yeah. go both ways, and that's completely fine. Yeah, um, it is 2019, I think. <laughs> yeah, but this kind of reminds me of that reality TV show, Farmer Wants a Wife. Mm-hmm. Like he's in a remote outpost. There's mm-hmm. not a lot of females there, and mm-hmm. they're obviously in search of love, and they're mm-hmm. just not there. So they bring in city slicker women who are, you know, used to mm-hmm. dating investment bankers and mm-hmm. guys who sell, you know, B two B SaaS products. Um, you know, th- this could be something. Maybe this could be a new reality show. Mm getting some females out there to, mm. to remote outposts. And obviously you have to hit 100 in order to get the chop. But yeah. so there's a lot of criteria they'd have to hit in order for the reality format to be successful. Mm, yeah. I also think a pub, he says, I'm not sure a pub is a circuit. Pub's a circuit. Pub's a circuit. A circuit's a concept. A, circuit. it's a, yeah. a circuit's a state of mind. Yeah, it's a concept. A circuit could be, you know, a, a house party. It could be yeah, a yeah. cafe at 11 a.m. Exactly. <laughs> it could be your circuit. <laughs> in Sydney, that's the circuit mm. now. I un- could be Hillsong. I understand Joe's predicament, especially Western Australia, where like uh, he's in rural Western Australia as well, yeah. right? So like not even Perth, where it's like a lot of FIFO work. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's hard. Um, yeah, mm. it's it, it it can be hard, but essentially no. To obtain the triple C, no, those there is a defined prism of the triple C. I'd like, I like right. it if it was the reality TV show, like on The Bachelor, you have to give a rose to the chosen woman, but you just give a new red king. <laughs> I think that would work. But it still must involve 100 runs in a game, yeah. uh, a, a, circuit, a circuit, and sexual intercourse. Yes, yes. So, like, but, is, but Joe, Joe's asking, not. like, can he attain that by actually not doing those things? No. No, you can't. You can't. Unfortunately not. So and move, this, is, this is a problem of, of access to r- resources in rural and remote Australia. So as well, the answer it? is move to the city. Domestic mm. migration is mm. there. And this yep. calls for a submission to government. Yep. Okay. Uh, this one comes from... <laughs> Uh, Liam Beasley says, G'day boys, I've been mentally reeling after an incident at training. I need some help working through this. I'm a current twos player, bat eight, don't bowl, and I'm a young guy working my way into the senior scene. One of my veteran threes players, ex-AFL player and legend around the club, 
rocked up late to our center wicket practice, as he usually does, grabbed a ball, and in his typical fashion, pumped out 10 push-ups at the top of his mark, with perfect form and without producing a drop of sweat. Alpha, he asks. No. He came in and I scuffed a drive down the ground, copping some chirp from the keeper. I added some back, and without hesitation, Sooty walked past, sneering out of the side of his mouth, any danger of you hitting a run, champ? I stood there shocked and a little taken back as he was generally nice but a sharp-worded guy. After a five-minute chat explaining how Champ was an insult and Sooty strongly refuting this, he produced one of the greatest one-liners I've heard on a cricket field. Champ wasn't an insult in my day and it still isn't an insult today. You're living in my world, Champ. <laughs> Fuck me. Jesus. I could do nothing but stand there, face up, and awkwardly fend <laughs> at a hip-high outswing and next ball. Um, my question is, given Sussy would have grown up in the 60s and 70s, same as the likes of the War Brothers and Alan Border, will we forever be living in their world, where muttering the word champ out of the side of your mouth is an inadvertent insult, and alphaing your teammate isn't done to make them feel bad, it's done accidentally to show them who's the better bloke and to disregard their worth? Will we forever be living in a world where 250 wins you in ODI, and the Australian Middle Order takes apart any attack that arrives on our shores with Ponting, the War Brothers and Gilly building totals in excess of 550? Are retro uniforms from the 1980s not just a marketing gimmick, but just the status quo given Border and the likes wore them so well? Why am I still playing twos and Sooty playing threes, given he's clearly a better person and no doubt has a better rig? Do I need to move clubs, considering I've been condemned to being a beater for the rest of the time Sooty is at the club? Thank you for your help in advance, Liam. For me, this is a question of science, because yes, we are still eternally living in their world mm-hmm. uh, as Liam refers to here. here we are and as you guys know um at the beginning of this year was it yeah yeah beginning of this year um I moved back home to my parents place for a couple of months and uh spent some time over the dinner table with uh, the likes of Alan Jones Sky After Dark and uh, Andrew Bolt on the television nice mm. and you know I I obviously really care about my parents and I love them but that's what they subscribe to that's their worldview, and that's mm. how they are informed I don't so, see a problem uh, no, no problem here um, looking forward to having Alan on the show next mm. week, actually. Um, <laughs> but, but the continuing um, anti-intellectualism, the right. disregard of science, and the feeling of, no, my worldview is based on how I feel. It's always been hot. Climate change is not real. Mm. It's anti-science. The mm. science is, if someone calls you champ, they're trying to put you down. Mm. That's the science. Mm. Liam's right to feel the way he does. Sooty is wrong but we are living in his world. Yeah, it's interesting. Like the the etymology or like yeah, like linguistic yeah. roots of champ are quite interesting. You're right, he goes. That is what champ means. Champ is condescending. You're it's calling condescending somebody champion fuck. when yeah. they are not the champion. <laughs> However, there are there are worlds where it's not condescending. Like mm-hmm. the full expression of champion in a rugby league context doesn't necessarily have to be condescending. It's mm. a it's a oft used term. Top tier um, sport, uh, the champions trophy. Well, exactly. Yep. ATP championships, that's mm. right. All yep. that kind of Champs-Elise. stuff. Champs-Elise. But if you read, <laughs> Champignon. If you, if you um, if you read the the Lucky Country by Donald Horn, which is written in the sixties about Australia, you uh-huh. like mm. you'll find that. It stands up today quite well in 2019. So some things do remain the same, and yep. old people thinking that you live in their world yep. is one of them. <laughs> uh, so in many ways, you are living in Sooty's world, mm. Liam, yeah. and you always will be, uh-huh. even if everything else points uh, away from that. It's always been hot. Mm. I've always had bushfires. Uh, Dave writes in final one. He says, "Lads, 
I need your help with a troubling dream I had last night. Mm. Basically, I had been picked for England to play on the Ashes Tour in Australia and was due to open the batting with Michael Atherton in the first test, which was taking place in the desert for some reason. However, as I took my guard and prepared to face a distant blonde figure I believe may have been Brett Lee, I noticed I wasn't wearing any gloves, a box or a helmet. I know these dreams. Atherton told me to go off to get myself changed and I was ushered towards the pavilion while a substitute batsman strode out onto the outfield. Initially, I believed the sub to be Ben Stokes, which would have been fair enough, but as he approached to my horror, I realised it was in fact Beaker, a rare <laughs> unit I used to play with, who got the nickname due to his resemblance to the Muppets character. <laughs> as I sat in the pavilion scrabbling around for my kit, I glanced up at the scoreboard, which showed we had reached 68 for none off five overs, with the Australian bowlers serving up a series of pies for Beaker to hit out of the ground. At this point, Nasser Hussain, who was wearing a suit came up to me and told me I was being dropped saying the selectors had overestimated my abilities and apologizing for taking me on the tour he urged me to get back in the net so we can have another look at you champ and told me to go and see a batting coach only known as the judge next thing I know I stood in a sports shop when the judge introduces himself he strongly resembles Tino best but will won't confirm his identity he's angry at me because again I've forgotten my kit he shows me a row of brand new sticks and urges me to buy one, but the price tags are all in Aussie dollars and I can't work out the conversion rate in order to know which one I can afford. As Tino slash the judge grows impatient with my slow arithmetic, I begin to panic as I look down to see I'm wearing work trousers and I'm therefore in no state to net. At this point, I woke up. This dream has plagued me all morning and I've narrowed the meaning down to two possible explanations. One, my subconscious mind is telling me my decision to continue to play as a batsman for my local club after a back injury and bout of the yips ended my bowling career will never pay off than I'm being found out as a fraud with only one score of 50 odd, brackets 47, in the past three years. Hence NASA telling me I'm not good enough and suggesting I get batting advice from Tino Best. Two, my anxiety is about the future of the UK, the fall of the... Uh, the falling the value of pound sterling and my own job prospects post-Brexit are now manifesting themselves in cricket-related dreams, hence being ill-equipped to face a new challenge in batting for England against Brett Lee, my inability to convert the currency on the bats, and the fact I was wearing work trousers while Tino berated me. Thoughts? Cheers. Troubled Dave, Leicestershire, England. <laughs> of that uh, dream, which is fucking layered uh, and wonderful, is and probably only took place over the space of seven seconds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All these different yeah, fragments yeah. just twitching in your dream the whole time. <laughs> was the fact that Nasser Hussein apologised to him for taking him on the tour? Yeah. Like that—that that would be the yeah. like. If if you ever got like the phone call from a selector being dropped in the team, let's say you're playing twos and put you down to threes. Mm. Imagine being apologised to. Oh, I'm so, look. It's our so fault. Sorry that we put for you, your inadequacy. Yeah, <laughs> we put you sorry on twos you this week. Yeah, you are. You are not worthy of this position, and you should be berated accordingly. Yeah. Um, heaps of layers. And then another one was, um, he's terrible, therefore he will buy a new stick. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that actually happened. That's just a yeah. normal reflex. That's a normal, that probably mm. did happen, yeah. Yeah, those are my two takeaways. The the currency um, thing, yeah, it's definitely two. He's, he's got he's anxieties over the future of the UK. Yeah. Mm. It's a Brexit dream. It's a Brexit dream. <laughs> if you've got any Brexit dreams as well, please write them in, <laughs> uh, whether they manifest in uh, yeah. cricket stories or not. Especially in the UK as the winter closes in, England finds themselves in trouble in New Zealand. And Australia, once again, retained their number one position in world cricket, despite mm. what the fuck's happening in, in India. Mm. Um, who knows what's going to happen this week? Fuck, what a wild show. The listeners get a lot, don't they? Bernard Fanning, Robolinda <laughs> 2, we found out his name. Mm. That's the big That's the big thing for yep. this episode. Reluctant <laughs> to say it initially. <laughs> thanks, as ever. Uh, for, oh, thanks as well for the people who came on to the Brisbane show uh, for King of the Two last Friday. That was mm. a great, great night out. Uh, we're in Adelaide uh, this week, Pez, just you and I. Uh, doing the show in Adelaide. I think it's already sold out. So um, if you're coming, you're coming to a sold out show and you're having the start of the biggest day of your life on that Saturday mm. in Adelaide. Uh, we'll see you next week on the Grey Cricketer Podcast.